everyone, and welcome again to Joe's Tango Podcast, and thank you so much for listening. Got another fun show for you. My guest today is Atakan Ekis, who's based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. He is part of the DF Dance Studio, which his wife, Maria Ivanova, founded in 2008. The studio specializes in a huge variety of dances, employs many dancers, and since its inception, it has become one of the largest and most dynamic dance schools in Salt Lake City. Atakan began his tango training in Turkey and joined a dance group there that he traveled with for several years. On top of that, he is a graduate research assistant at the Huntsman Cancer Research Institute. Today, he is known as one of the top dancers and instructors in the state. And with me now is Atakan Ekis. Atakan, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me on the podcast. It's great to be talking to you. Hi, it's great to talk to you as well. Yeah. Okay, I just want to jump right into things. So, Atakan, can you describe the moments, or the moments, there could have been more than one, when you knew you wanted tango to be a big part of your life? It's <laughs> a good question. So the way I started dancing tango is actually when I was in college, I had some friends one day knocked on my door mm-hmm. saying, we're going to start dancing tango. We need to you know, meet some new people. And I say like, come on guys, we can't dance. You know, it's not something we can do. We uh. just watch the shows and everything. But you know, it's the phase of your life. You start playing video games and it's the freshman year of the school. So you are kind of doing everything. Uh, but they, they looked pretty into it, I guess. And that night I was, I remember very distinctly, I was like on the bed lying, looking at the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So like, well, what can I lose? You know, it's like, let's go ahead and try. If I don't like it, I just don't come back. That's that simple, right? Yeah. And that was a weekend class with our, you know, classmates, basically. It was like a little student club of sorts. Mm-hmm. And I danced the first time over there. And before that, I did not dance any sort of dances at all. Oh, wow. And I fell in love with the music. I fell in love with the connection and the culture behind it was very impressive for me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, I could kind of learn this dance and I'm not, you know, killing ladies but by stepping on their toes. So I said, you know, <laughs> let's, let's give, it a, give it a go. Okay. So was this in Turkey? Yeah, it was in Turkey back in, in the days, yeah. So at that first lesson, was there also a milonga right after that, or was it just a, a class? That The first day was only a class. Uh, the milonga was a few days after, but I was so scared, so I didn't go to milongas, uh, actually, for a very long time. Okay. Did you fall in love with it right away during that class, or, or was it maybe... I think so. Yeah, okay. I think so. I fell in love with it initially, for sure, but then it became more and more of a passion and almost like an obsession, so it yeah. definitely grew over the years, and I love it more than ever now. So what was your very first dance at a milonga like? It was kind of funny, actually. Uh, I went to the milonga, so I'm sitting in the corner watching people. Everybody feels like they are so good, and I'm really not good. I'm just newer. Mm-hmm. Even though I started going to milongas after like a few months into my you know, learning. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't dance, actually, at all for like two hours. I've been watching the people, and then I got a glass of wine, and that kind of changed things. I <laughs> more relaxed and I said you know what, what is the worst thing that can happen you just mm. walk for a song and then have fun and it didn't go bad actually I think I was able to keep the beat and keep the connection I thought my partner liked it you know mm. so <laughs> yeah so speaking of that first Malang, I think a lot of our listeners you know they're they're pretty new to tango and I think they really identify with you you know, mm-hmm. your first couple times at a Malanga when you're just sort of sitting and thinking everyone's so good so yeah. Uh, what what advice do you have for a lot of those newer dancers who are listening about uh, how to make their milonga experiences more more enjoyable? 
I think in the hindsight, looking back all these years, absolutely there is nothing to be afraid of. You know, you just get up and dance with people. I mean, you, everybody is going there to have fun and dance with each other, and nobody's a world-class tango, you know, dancer on that stage most likely. Mm -hmm. So really, there's nothing bad that could happen. The worst mm -hmm. scenario would be you may maybe you just don't have a connected dance, and maybe your fault, maybe your partner contributed, but who cares? That's the worst thing that can happen. Nobody's yeah. going to die out of, out of that. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I recommend is, you know, the newer people, the earlier they go to milongas, the better they become as mm -hmm. far as leaders and, and followers because in the group setting or in a private setting, everything is studied in a very isolated manner. So, mm -hmm. you know, you learn a pattern and the teacher talks about the concepts. But really, it's all controlled. Everybody does similar things, and everybody kind of has a lot of room. But in the milonga, it's a different story. Mm -hmm. I, I hear often from my students that you know we learn all these things, and if I count them or if I give them a lot of room, they can do things just fine. But mm -hmm. in the milonga surface, it doesn't work. Right. And I, I can't emphasize this enough to my students and anybody else who's listening. Mm -hmm. By not going to milongas, you are just not doing yourself a good service. Mm -hmm. The earlier you go, the better dancer you'll be quicker. Yeah. Yeah, looking back, I definitely should have gone to Malangas a lot sooner because once I started going, I thought, oh, I should have started doing this sooner. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So how did you start teaching? Can you describe that journey? When I started teaching, it was more like I, I in Turkey, I started teaching over there. Mm -hmm. I started this school and we kind of became friends with the, the owners um, and they kind of expanded their dance studio and I was kind of helping classes by teeing a little bit oh, here and there. Nice. And the more I dance, the more obviously uh, I, you know, advance my dancing. And the more I teach, I realize actually I maybe have a passion for that one as well because this is a very fun thing for me and a passionate thing, and I'm loving it when I share with other people. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing I'm I'm not really exaggerating saying that there is nothing that makes me happier than seeing my students that maybe who learned something new in the mm -hmm. couple days ago in the class. And now they're in the milonga, and that they are pulling it off, and they are happy, and that I see their the achievement in their faces. It yeah. makes me really happy. Mm -hmm. I think initially that kind of got me very interested in teaching, mm -hmm. and I think eight years ago now I came to the states, mm -hmm. and I met my wife, who actually owns a dance studio here. Right. So it became more of like a serious thing once I started teaching at her studio. Mm. Before that, it was kind of like a you know cool thing to do, but really I didn't have a lot of time for it either. So I was you know, planning to apply for schools up in states. So it was kind of a busy time for me, for sure. Yeah, so uh, speaking of working with uh, previous teachers, and this can be a long answer, and if it takes you a while to answer, that's that's great. Uh, mm -hmm. So what is some really good or some memorable advice that you've gotten from some of your own teachers? As far as uh, dancing or more teaching? We'll start with dancing. One advice I got from my students, early on when I was learning, <laughs> I learned from pretty achieved dancers, I think, um, but maybe because of the nature of the classes. I didn't do a lot of privates back then okay. because you're a student, you don't have a lot of financial power to do that. Right. Maybe In a group class setting, I was learning definitely, but there was something missing. I think the um, the connection, the, the tango feeling was a bit difficult to mm -hmm. you know really feel in a, in a group class setting. So once I started doing my first privates, I realized actually how much one time feeling something instead of like listening somebody explain. Mm -hmm. For instance, we'll talk about like a boleo concept or something like uh -huh. that. And then, you know, I understand what they're saying. I kind of see what they are doing. But like, how do I really convey that feeling to my partner in a specific, you know, context? And, you know, they would come and lead me and then I immediately 
immediately would understand. Mm. I think my my a, a good advice I got, I think, kind of midway to my tango, you know, journey, I guess, mm-hmm. is really not so much thinking about the the steps and the patterns, but more of the feeling, mm-hmm. and not so much, you know, executing one thing cool and then be be happy with it, but really how you do things matters a lot. And I just came to appreciate this more and more over the years, mm-hmm. as you probably would, would know. You know, you don't need to know a lot of cool, fancy stuff to enjoy tango dancing right. with somebody. Mm-hmm. It's just the simple and the beauty of the elegance of the movement that makes this dance very beautiful. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So once you started teaching, what's some what's some good advice you got on how to be a, a more effective teacher? That's kind of actually interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I observe people. I'm by training. I'm a scientist. I just mm-hmm. actually. Graduated from my PhD today. I had oh, this congratulations. Advancement and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as part of that scientific training, we give a lot of talks and we go to conferences. We talk to people. Mm-hmm. So you kind of over the years learn how to tell a story. Mm. Let it be scientific story. Let it be a story about dancing or, or anything else really. Mm-hmm. My biggest benefit came from that, like learning how to be a teacher outside mm-hmm. of the context of necessarily dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was teaching, obviously, I, I still take privates to, the, to this day from you know various people. Mm-hmm. And I really like observing how they approach uh, an issue. Like they're trying to explain something. Everybody has a different way of explaining. And I try to sort of absorb all these good things that I'm kind of observing in these people. Because mm-hmm. you know, there are sometimes great dancers, but really they are not the best teachers, they can't really give you what you're looking for, right. or maybe they cannot, you know, fix one thing that you're really, you know, interested in. So, like, I kind of learned from those experiences as well. Mm. But back in the days when I started, you know, teaching, I, I think I was not as good as how I think I am right now, mm-hmm. because, you know, I think I can identify people's goals early on now in a class, let it be a group class or private. Mm-hmm. Or I can also plan something specifically for, mm-hmm. for my student at the time instead of like really having a repetitive syllabus like something and then really dictating everybody the same. Yeah. Obviously, structure is important though. We mm-hmm. definitely have syllabuses and we gave a lot of thought at our studio mm-hmm. and with a uh, stepwise approach to how we can progress people. Mm-hmm. Definitely, in especially group class setting, there is a very important value to having a syllabus. But mm-hmm. I find myself often in my privates, I'm kind of having little detours sometimes or approaching an, an issue from a different point of view mm-hmm. that I think would be more beneficial for my students. I think that got way better over the years. Now I can kind of do that by, I think, observing a lot of my own instructors. Okay. Yeah, that's great. I, I love how you brought up your background as a scientist and how you work that into into mm-hmm. teaching, into learning tango. I'm always fascinated about hearing people's uh, their professional backgrounds. So yeah. you're you're a research assistant at the Huntsman Cancer Research Institute, right? That's correct. <laughs> yeah. Have you tried recruiting other scientists into tango as well? I always they know me. Sometimes I'm, you know, doing experiments and I'm listening to tango and I find myself <laughs> little footwork and people in the beginning was like, what are you guys doing when that corner? Uh, and they realized I'm actually dancing and then uh, I'm trying to recruit that. I think it's kind of hard to recruit from your own close vicinity. Sometimes, yeah. I don't know, it's maybe my yeah, close vicinity. Mm-hmm. People think that tango is like something you see in the movies, but you can't definitely do it. And I'm saying like, I was thinking exactly like you guys. It's mm-hmm. not the way to think about it. Mm-hmm. But interestingly enough, in, in, I'm in Salt Lake City, obviously, Utah. Mm-hmm. It's not a very small place, but it's not like a humongous place like, you know, New York or San Francisco. Right. Or anything like that. But I think we have a decent and very welcoming tango community here. And mm-hmm. I would say 
nearly half of this community is some sort of professional from the university. Like I have a lot of MDs, mm -hmm. a lot of PhDs. You go to Milongas and then you ask somebody, like, what's your name or what do you do? And then they say they're, they're a physics professor at the university. Mm. Uh, so I, I was unable to recruit from my direct community, um, <laughs> but I think naturally some people, I guess, feel, feel drawn into this dance. Yeah. It's amazing how people from all different walks of life find their way yeah. into tango. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you're talking about uh, talking about the, the the community there, how it's really welcoming, and that's really that's really good to hear. What are what's some advice you have, perhaps for for organizers or people who want to try organizing on how mm -hmm. to build a good, a welcoming community? It's difficult to really give one recipe for sure. this type of stuff, as you would probably know. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the most important thing is really being kind of... So sometimes you will hear, for instance, from some people saying that, oh, this guy is teaching over there and that guy is teaching over here, but mm -hmm. you know they don't really teach the way that it needs to be done. <laughs> it's like almost like one size fits all. Right. And this type of stuff, I think, creates almost like a bad feeling in students, between mm -hmm. students. Because you have your students and somebody else have their students. Mm -hmm. My approach, my philosophy is, you know, I just learn more from different people. Every time I listen to the same thing, maybe the fifth time, I just mm -hmm. still find new things to learn. And I think there are a lot of different ways to, you know, dancing and like teaching and learning tango or, or anything else really. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the most important thing the commu communities really benefit from is that really appreciation of the dance, but not so much my style is the best way to do it and mm -hmm. this and that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, everybody has their opinions, but it's I don't find it very productive to talk about other people not doing the right thing and they are doing the only right thing. So I think that it creates the most important kind of connection. Mm -hmm. I often tell my students, like when we have a visiting instructor or when we have instructors, for, you know, teaching other places, mm -hmm. they are doing some interesting workshops. I'm saying, like, go take classes and listen from different people. I think you're gonna, you know, learn from different perspectives and you're going to have a different approach to it. Mm -hmm. And once they, for instance, take a class and they come back and they ask me some questions about it, I'm like, oh, that's a pretty interesting question, uh, concept you guys worked on. And, you know, they ask a question how they can improve on something. For instance, I just, I'm happy to supplement that. It's not like, oh, this is, this is wrong. You know, they should yeah. have done that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So kind of sticking along on the subject of students, what are some things that you've learned from your own students throughout your tango teaching journey? I think the one thing that I learned the most um, is really one concept can be taught to people in a million different ways. And mm. not every way is the right way for certain people. Right. I remember very clearly, for instance, I had a student named Laura. Uh, she moved away from out of state. They are living in Texas, I think, now. Mm. She was the most talented, one of the most talented students I've ever had. And then she's such a visual learner. Like, I would talk about something, you know, mm. maybe because of my scientific you know, training background. I mm. care a lot about the technique behind the movement and like the idea of something, you know, instead of just like see it like this and then do it like me. I really don't like that approach at all. So Laura, for instance, we did privates for almost two years and mm -hmm. she would be my like TA and then she started teaching at our studio for some at some point too. Like she would listen, she would understand up in, in her mind, but she just needs to see it just one time. And like I would show how it needs to be done and I would show how, you know, she can improve specifically her thing and then she would get it immediately. Wow. Not even joking. Like, you know, yeah. I talk about something like you know, you need to use your body this way, you need to have a more dissociation there and make mm -hmm. sure the turnouts and like technical aspects. Yeah. She says just show me one time how I'm doing, show me one time how I should be doing. And immediately wow. it's crazy. And I have <laughs> For instance, they are more like they just need to feel one time. Like I explain things and then, you know, they are 
getting better and better, but then I lead them one time, mm -hmm. for instance, as a leader, for instance, mm -hmm. trying to lead something. You know, I explain the concept, I want them to understand it, but really I just lead them one time as a follower and immediately it clicks to them. Next time I follow them, it just works out just beautifully. Mm -hmm. And some people are more like, you know, auditory learners. I think they just need to listen to it a lot and repeat yeah. it a lot. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I think that's, that's the, the tricky part to really find, you know, how you should be approaching a new person when you're teaching. Yeah. I think I, I'm learning that still every single time I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. You meet the most interesting people and you ha they have the most interesting ways of learning things and I'm loving it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you have to find out how to communicate with everybody. Everybody responds to different things. Yeah, it's really interesting. So after working with so many different kinds of students, what are, what are some things that you notice that tend to hold back our tango progress? Practicing, I think. Mm. Um, that's one thing that I keep yelling at my students on a daily <laughs> I think sometimes people think of this as like, you know, one time a thing, one time a week type right. of a thing, and they just do from class to class. They, they just really not progress. They're, they're not progressing as, as fast as other people would. Mm -hmm. I have some students right now, they are going to milongas, practicas every single day. They are dancing more than I'm dancing. I'm like, mm -hmm. man, I'm jealous of you guys. I should be <laughs> more. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they are, they are making one of the fastest progresses in the class. Because really, it just takes a lot of repetition. I, I don't think tango is the most necessarily difficult dance, mm -hmm. but I would say it's not the easiest either. And it, it's not easy to wing it, you know, like in a right. salsa a lot of the times you would hear, you know, let's go salsa dancing tonight. I dance salsa on the side a little bit as well. Okay. But like, you know, sometimes you can learn a little turn pattern in salsa and you can go have fun with your friends in a salsa social. Tango it doesn't work like that. You just really need to work at it yeah. and practice it so you can you can lead and follow this in a social context. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest problem that holds back the, the progress. Okay. Yeah. I think that one thing that I find it in not only in, the, in tango but other styles as well. When somebody says I'm good, I'm I'm perfect now. I can I learned a lot of things. I'm really good now. Mm -hmm. I think that that kind of marks the decline of, of a dancer. Ah. You don't you don't reinvent yourself. You think like you know everything and there's nothing more to be learned. And I, I find this I think almost like a personal inherent block for progression. So I I don't really don't like that either. Yeah. So, Atakan, how do you how do you keep challenging yourself? With this busy lifestyle I have, I'm actually a little bit behind on my like performance schedules. I'd like to perform mm -hmm. more with my wife Maria and yeah. some other uh, students I have advanced students. Mm -hmm. Performances are a way of pushing myself forward for sure. Yeah. Because one thing that I see when I perform and then record myself or like you know have a video of, of me dancing, mm -hmm. I look at it and I was like, man, I, I know I should have done this better. I know I should have done that better. So mm -hmm. you just more of those things and it, it creates more of a um, like a goal mm -hmm. and we did I think last year we did a little bit of a performance class in our tango level three mm. uh, talked a lot about the concepts and complicated moves complicated connections mm -hmm. and my goal was really so we have a big studio we have a lot of dance styles and we do a lot of showcases nice but tango has been always you know, not represented very well because, you know, it's more of a social thing, I think. Mm. Not so much like a team, you know, like salsa team. Right. Kind of. So we wanted to kind of showcase tango. Uh, that was one goal. But the other goal was also really putting a goal in front of people so they can actually work towards that and not, not just an abstract concept, but like a movement they do in a routine mm -hmm. and they know what they need to improve on once we do side by side. Yeah. So yeah. this type of stuff, I find it very challenging and I'm like enjoying that it's almost like an intellectual and physical stimulus that I, that it provides. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Like what you said about videotaping. I mean, it's it's it can be very humbling being watching yourself yeah. on video, but man, it's so it's so useful. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. I actually give this as a homework to my, some of my students, oh. saying like next week when you come to class, you need to bring me a video of you doing this exercise. And I point out, look at the position here, look at the position there. The, you know, you should be turning more. And then they say, oh, I thought I was doing it, you know, better than that. So they, like, improve more and more. Oh. And sometimes I put, like, before and after videos. I have, you know, a lot of videos. Some, some of my students send it on Facebook, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, as a private message. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, like, have a video from, I don't know, six, seven months ago and then a video now. Oh. And when you put it side by side, you definitely can see how much improvement is happening. Nice. Wow, that's a really good homework assignment. Videotape yourself. I like it. Yeah, so speaking of performances, what was what was your very first performance like? Uh, good old times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I was learning in Turkey, that was, this, as I mentioned, it's like a little student club thing. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the year, they would do a big showcase to sort of basically showcase what we have learned and also ask for more money from the university administration for the next year. Mm -hmm. We were paying something very little symbolic and the rest was, you know, subsidized by the university, which was, I think, very helpful for a mm -hmm. lot of students to do this. So the tango shows I did in Turkey was more like a milonga type of a setup, but on stage. It's not like pre-choreographed. You just mm -hmm. basically go out and dance. The first ever choreography I did, I even remember the song very clearly, Hasta Siempre Amor. Mm. It's a beautiful song. Beautiful. Um, and I was, I think, I was one of the four or five couples on stage, mm -hmm. and I think I was one of the youngest dancer, like years-wise, like learning experience-wise. Okay. All the other people were way better than I was, I think, and uh, my partner was really good. I'm trying to kind of live up to that as well, so mm. it's kind of a little bit of a nerve-wracking experience for me. And I very clearly remember a few days before the performance, we learned this cool move. I think it was like a boleo for her. Mm -hmm. And the stage we were dancing on, it was not very well lit. There's like little dark areas and mm -hmm. then, you know, tango travels in a circle. Right. So I'm kind of traveling in the circle. Once I was in the dark corner over there, I tried the move. It worked beautifully. <laughs> it was beautiful. And I'm like, I'm pumped up now. I'm going to try that in, right in the middle of the stage once I have the light mm -hmm. on me. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the circle continues and I'm in the middle and I try to do the move. Something happened. I don't know exactly what. I think my partner's heel caught the, the skirt oh. and we started kind of hopping, <laughs> little grasshoppers on stage, <laughs> up out of the light and then we hopped back into the darkness and then we saved the heel somehow and we, we continued dancing. Oh, wow. Like my heart was beating right up my neck and it was like, oh my God. I'm so embarrassed. Oh, no. I mean, it was such a you know thing, cool thing to talk about all these years after. I think yeah. it teaches you really everything can happen on on stage, and mm -hmm. you want to keep your smiles bigger, and you want to keep your energy. Mm -hmm. So it's not like oh my god, he's nervous now. He's he can't even dance anything. So you just need to have fun. Yeah. I think that that thing taught me pretty early on. You know, everything can happen on stage, and mm -hmm. no matter what, show must go on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Boleos. Yes. Once you learn those, those are really, really yeah. fun to do. So with Tango, Adekan, one of the nice things about it is that there's always something new to learn or new to explore. Absolutely. So, so even though you've had so much experience, what's something new that you've learned maybe recently or over the last few years? Maybe not necessarily a figure, but perhaps a concept that you're going more in depth with or, or anything. 
I think one of the coolest things I've learned recently, I think last year, um, I started taking some classes on this, really to improve my walk. Hmm. The thing goes, beginner dancers want to do intermediate classes, intermediate dancers want to do advanced classes, and more advanced dancers want to do beginner classes again. Yeah. I really kind of uh, lived through that exact uh, progression. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the concepts that I really started thinking more deeply and also tried to learn different aspects of it was the tango walk, basically. How I can how can I improve my walk? Mm. How can I make my steps much more sharper and more grounded? Um, I think I learned to uh, connect with my partner better, better through this experience and I learned more of the details of how we can use our standing axis to create the energy that will drive us forward for a step mm -hmm. and really how the way I kind of came to tell my students now it's like almost taking a step like actually landing on a foot is only a fraction of the whole stepping process there's mm -hmm. a lot of prep, there's a lot of pushing there's a lot of reaching for a step yeah. and transfer is only the last little part really mm -hmm. and I feel like that sometimes gets forget forgotten easily mm -hmm. you just oh, go forward with your right turn you know left or whatever and you just think of those steps but not really so much how you can get there so mm -hmm. I think that's one of the coolest things I learned recently and it's as simple as a tango walk it's yeah. beautiful yeah just going back to that walk yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. all right Atikan what are some future projects you're working on or future plans that you have for the studio um, we're always thinking about you know how we can increase our classes like the styles we do. Uh, really, my my wife takes care of you know all that thing. She's the brains and the muscle behind everything. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, little you know get-togethers and we talk about you know how we can improve things, how we can create a better environment for our instructors and our mm -hmm. students. We have a few ideas in mind. Uh, some of them might involve maybe expanding a little bit. Uh, we expanded a few years ago into the neighboring kind of space, and we are, I think, coming to the capacity over mm -hmm. there little by little. So increasing our, in addition to providing some dance classes, we also would like to make uh, dance instruction a mm -hmm. profession. You know, a lot of the times people think of this as a transitionary thing, and it's mm -hmm. not like a professional career. Right. Um, that kind of like thinking not that seriously hmm. maybe it's a bit the st status quo too because you know we have some instructor visiting instructors from LA and other places right they you know they are working for like ten dollars an hour with no benefits no nothing in an mm -hmm. expensive place like LA yeah so we, we're trying to change that a little bit by offering a fulfilling position to our instructors and uh, we are trying to make more instructors by having Kind of continued developing education courses. Okay. For instance, we had some salsa instructors back in the day started, but now they can teach ballroom and other styles, and they, they can be more versatile people. Nice. We want to make it more like a um, because people are passionate for dancing, and you know if they really want to dance mm -hmm. for their lives, they should be able to do it without thinking about how are they going to pay the bills again. Right. Yeah. So we are trying to change that by offering some benefits at the studio and offering different type of positions in addition to you know dance instruction. So those things, those areas, we are planning to expand on even further going forward. Okay, great. All right, Atakan, where can we find out more about you online? Uh, we can find our web, uh, website of the studio, DF Dance Studio. It's like D, D as in David and F as in Frank, or okay. Dance Fusion, mm -hmm. when you call it. It's really not dance fusion. It's actually something Russian. My wife is originally from Russia, but uh -huh. uh, 
EF Dance Studio. Okay. Uh, we have a pretty vibrant Facebook presence as well, so if anybody wants to look at, we have a lot of photos we're sharing from our classes and our showcases. Great. And the, at, the, at the website, uh, you can also see the schedule for the dance classes and mm -hmm. social and whatnot. So for people who are listening, who are locals of Utah, somehow didn't hear about us, they can definitely find out more. Or if you are going to visit you know, Utah, you can always come from out of town and look at what's going on. And for Tango specifically, we have, as I mentioned, a very vibrant community, mm -hmm. and it is a community of instructors. We have this little website. I, I'm just part of it. I don't really, you know, do any like planning of the website or anything like that. But we have a group called wasachtango.org. Okay. Um, so that is also a good resource for people to look at um, different details of what's going on in, in okay. Salt Lake City for Tango. Great, great. So for Facebook, it's it's also the DF Dance Studio on Facebook. Uh, DF Dance Studio, yeah. Okay, great. I'll have that in our show notes so people will be able to look that up and find out more about you. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, Atikan, thank you so much again for for taking the time to, to be on the podcast. It was really oh, great to pleasure. great to meet you, great to talk to you, and hopefully I can meet you in person sometime soon. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. All right, thanks again, and congratulations on your on your PhD. That's a huge accomplishment. Oh, thank you, thank you very yeah. much. Thank and, you very much. <laughs> yeah, and best of luck to you in the future. Thanks. You as well. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Yeah. Okay. That was fun. Atakan has a very interesting backstory, and he brought up several important points that stuck out in my mind. One was about focusing more on feeling, to slow down those thought processes a bit while you're out on the dance floor, to not get hung up on doing neat figures, and instead really focusing on the way the connection with your partner feels. Atakan also brought up the important point about there being no one-size-fits-all method when it comes to teaching or learning. Teachers have to adjust to every student's learning style, and different teachers will have different ways of approaching various tango concepts. So we shouldn't get stuck in a mindset of, this is the only way, or this is wrong because some other teacher did it that way. So as students, we'll be exposed to many different teaching styles, and as teachers have to adjust to us, we should meet them halfway and make an effort to adjust to them and their thought processes as well. Atakan also mentioned the well-known but important progression that many tango dancers make, that beginner dancers aspire to take intermediate classes, intermediate dancers want to move on to advanced classes, and advanced dancers want to take beginner classes again. It sounds funny, but it's very true that the more we get into tango, the more we'll understand the fundamentals and we'll discover more details and layers to those fundamentals. And then something like the basic walk becomes really interesting and exciting again. So thank you again, Atakan, for sharing your thoughts and for your time and congratulations again on getting your PhD. And a big thanks to all you listeners for checking out my podcast. I really appreciate it. Again, if you're enjoying this program, please take a quick second to head on over to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or whatever platform you're listening, and uh, leave a five-star rating and a review. That helps out a lot. And if you'd like to get in touch with me for comments, suggestions for future guests, or if you'd like me to plug an upcoming Tango event in your area, or for any reason at all, just send me an email at wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. Okay, thanks again for checking out Joe's Tango podcast. New episodes every Monday. Talk to you again soon, and keep on dancing. Keep on dancing.